Welcome to the Anonymous Andrew Podcast. Life and the choices we make. The choices other people make. Why we choose to ignore the red flags. Red flags like gaslighting, cheating, addiction, mental illness, and much more. What role do they play in relationships? Follow me each week as we discuss these topics with anonymous guests and experts to hopefully become better humans, resulting in better choices. Like I say, been there, still doing that. Now on to the show. Welcome to another episode of Anonymous Andrew. Um, Just a little intro again. Today's guest is an um, amazing woman who I came across um, her story. Um, she's also a fellow podcaster. She has a show called Even Tacos Fall Apart. And when I read her story um, and her bio, it just, you know, sometimes when we look back at our own trauma, and our own issues and the things that we've gone through. My story, um, I think, was, from my perspective, horrible from, uh, you know, from my early years of alcoholism all the way up to the present day. And then you read, hear, or talk to somebody else who went through um, stuff that I have never even imagined that one can go through and still come out on the other end uh, in one piece. And not only in one piece, but um, better as a better person, um, which is what I'm striving to do here. And with the podcast is if nothing, we learn from either the mistakes we've made in our past um, or the people that we got involved with and, and either that relationship was a mistake or et cetera. When it's over, we feel dark and alone and we feel like there's no future and yada, yada, but it's what we end up with months later, whether it's five months, six months or a year later um, or several years later, you are much stronger and better from having gone through that experience. Um, this, this episode will show you that um, her name is Mama Foxfire, and uh, she'll tell you exactly how she got that name, but um, her story is just amazing, and um, I'm, I give her a lot of credit. So, And uh, um, as I always do, folks, please, this is, um, I'm doing this podcast alone, and it's, it's free, and I, all I ask of you is if you could just take one minute and give me a review. If you're on Apple or Spotify, or if your platform that you're listening to allows you to give um, a rating and a review, just stop for one minute and, and scroll down to the bottom, I think, where it's at. And please give me some stars and a review. Um, it would really help with the algorithm and pushing this podcast up. Okay. Enjoy this next episode with Mama Foxfire. Ciao. Hello, everybody. Anonymous Andrew back with you once again. And today I have a very special guest. I have Mama Foxfire with me, and she is a mental health advocate, a single mom, and a full-time proposal manager in the 
AEC industry, and she'll explain what that is. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm reading off a bio, Mama, but it's too long to read. So I'm going to throw it to you. So good afternoon and welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm really happy to be here. Yeah, AEC is architecture, engineering, and construction. So I okay. work in, in that industry full time, and then I I do everything else on the side in my quote unquote spare time. <laughs> Excellent. Okay. Um, I came across Mama. Um, my audience knows that I go through se several venues, and Mama um, and I connected on on a website, and I found her story just very intriguing. And and we have um, we have something in common. We're both mental health advocates, but Mama has mm -hmm. a very um, Oh gosh, I don't even know how to say it uh, about your story. So, Mama, I, I guess let's start with your story. By the way, Mama is a podcaster as well. She has a podcast yes. show called "Even Tacos Fall Apart," and I think that's a great name. <laughs> that's just a great name. <laughs> Thank you. So, I, I I don't know. Take it from there. Tell us your story from wherever you want to start. Yeah. So, I mean, there are lots of places to start. We were talking before this about just everything that I've been through. And it's funny because, you know, you grow up and it's like, oh, pretty normal childhood and everything. And of course, everyone has trauma in their childhood, right? right. Even if you had a completely normal childhood, parents are human and therefore fuck up. And that's okay. Oh, can I cuss on this podcast? Absolutely. Go for All it. right. Good. <laughs> All right. Good. So, yeah, I mean, parents, parents mess up. No one is perfect. I'm a parent. I mess up. So, it's funny growing up in this like normal kind of childhood and thinking that you're pretty healthy, pretty happy and everything and how you can go from that to finding yourself in a situation that is truly traumatic. And um, that's kind of what happened to me. So I, before I, um, before everything, not bad, but everything uh, on my timeline started, you know, I had a baby as a single mother when I was 21 um, and that was before I met my husband. And after that happened, it was kind of like, I became an adult and all these things started happening. So since then I've been through a lot, I've been through, um, a, an abusive marriage. I've been through some medical issues with pelvic organ prolapse and, um, carpal tunnel syndrome and like all of these different things. Uh, my grandfather went missing and, you know, all of these things that happened, and the kind of the end result was me becoming a mental health advocate. So that is what draw, that's what drew me. All of my experiences are what drew me into being a mental health advocate. So, uh, but I'm happy to to talk about whatever you want to talk about. I mean, we talked well, about focusing I, on the relationship, so we can do that if you want. There's something that caught my eye on your on your website. Uh, her website is tacosfallapart.com. It's mm -hmm. a very good website, um, and in the Frequently asked question section, um, and, and I, I get this sometimes myself. While we're mental health advocates, which means mm -hmm. that we advocate for either we have a, a a mood disorder or a mental health issue, and we advocate for for others that do. Mm -hmm. People don't understand that some of the best support that you could get is from a mental health advocate or a peer. Yeah. We're peer, we're peers, right? Peer to peer. I mm -hmm. run a peer to peer support group. Um, um, my my audience knows a little bit about it. I, I haven't gone into it too much, but you, I, I see that you have a, on your FAQs. You have like, uh, you're you're not a you're not a doctor, so how can you talk about right. mental health? People don't yeah. get that. That sometimes the 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 peer us 
know more about mental health than the doctors do. I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. they do prescribe the meds and they do help us in many, many ways. I've been in therapy my whole life. But that's kind of ironic. If I've been in therapy my whole life and I'm still still not getting it right, you know, so I find peer-to-peer support groups and and um, more helpful than the doctor sometimes because mm-hmm. uh, you understand. If I tell you that I'm depressed, you know what that means. Right. If I tell you I have anxiety, you understand what that means. Mm-hmm. So, um, wow, there's, there's, there's a lot to cover here. Uh, well, if I can, if I can just jump in on that, like I've had people, so I am not a mental health professional. I don't work in the mental health profession. I have no ties. I have never done any studies on like none of my coursework was on psychology. I think I took maybe one psychology course because it was required. So I'm not a mental health professional in any way, shape or form. And I've had people in the past, not recently, but in the past say like, you shouldn't be talking about this. You're not, you're not um, qualified to talk about this. And my response is always like, no, I, I'm not. And I make it very clear that I am not qualified to do any diagnosing, any right. medication, anything. And I don't ever do that kind of thing. But there is such a job that can be done and that needs to be done that mental health professionals cannot do. And that is to be that advocate. And so if you're going to a mental health professional and you're in therapy, which I highly recommend, I think that everyone at some point in their life would benefit from therapy, Um, but they can't talk as openly as you can talk to someone else who has experienced something similar. And they don't always, you know, they, they go into a session with like, okay, here are my resources. Here are my recommendations. Here is this information. And I come at it from a perspective of, Here's a lot of things that you could look at. Here's a lot of different things that you could learn from. Here's a lot of people that we can connect you with. Um, here, you know, peer support forums are a huge help. Just getting someone to validate what you're feeling, what you're going through is something that a mental health professional doesn't necessarily do. It's not in their purview. So I view those as two very different things, a mental health professional and a mental health advocate, but they work together. Like you need both. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. Oh, yeah. I, I When I was running, uh, there was a, an organization, I'm not going to mention the name, but I was running an organization, a franchise, um, and we had a family division. So the family members, something along the lines of Al-Anon. So if, if your son or, or husband was diagnosed with bipolar mm-hmm. or something, they could come to these meetings to understand about the mental illness, and it would be other family members. And they often would call if so if if their husband was having a uh, a manic episode they i would get calls sometimes at, at 11 o'clock at night and say what do i do you know yeah and because yes you can call 911 yes you can call an ambulance but that they they, they could take 20 minutes to get there or mm-hmm. sometimes i've seen horrible you, you you hear what happens in the news sometimes when when the when the police get involved sometimes the person gets shot you know, um, I could tell them what to do or what not to do to maybe keep themselves safe and whatever. Anyway, we're getting off topic. Um, <laughs> I, That's I just, my specialty is getting off yeah, topic, by the way. <laughs> I, I, I'm just advocating for being an advocate. Yeah, for mental health ab- absolutely. Because, because I, I, I've been manic. I've been through it. I, I know what not to say to the person to trigger them even more or what or what the what the husband or wife should do maybe to keep themselves safe if, if he's you know whatever so um 
Paul, we talked about a, a few minutes ago about like, so if you'd said to me that you're going through depression, I would know exactly mm -hmm. what you're going through. And yeah. people who don't have depression don't understand. I, I've heard people say, why can't you just get out of bed and, and you know, what right. do they say? Just get over <laughs> it, get, get up and, yeah. and push through. It, it's not that simple. So unless you've been there, you don't really truly understand it. Now I'm going to mm -hmm. segue that into your, your, your marriage. Sure. You were married with the man you, you mentioned the, you said after you had the first baby, you, you mm -hmm. got a husband and I, I don't think you mentioned it yet, but we did it in the pre-interview. He had an affair. Can you mm -hmm. talk about that a little bit? Because that's what happened yeah. to me. People don't understand that when you get, when infidelity happens in a, in a relationship, it, it, it sucks. It, yeah, it really, it really does. It really does. It's really, it's, it's very painful. And just, I want, I want more people to understand that betrayal trauma is a thing it's not just oh he cheated that sucks like there is a trauma there that a lot of people don't recognize as real trauma and um it's aside from the fact that it was an abusive relationship uh mentally emotionally and sexually it that trauma is probably what tripped me up more than than some of the abuse so I met a man in 2009. We started dating. We got married a couple years later in 2011 and almost overnight, like he went from being an okay guy, maybe not the best. I ignored some red flags. I won't lie about that. Uh, right. So there were, there were signs. Sure. I ignored them. We got married and then those signs went from little red flags to giant red flags. And he went from this being this charming person to being really manipulative, aggressive. Um, and a few, uh, a few years later, I found out that he was having an affair. And so that was, we got married in 2011 and I found out in 2015 that he was having an affair. And I found out at the same time that he had had another affair prior to that. And I found that out because the person who he was having an affair with, I actually got to talk to her before I talked to him about it. And so while I was talking to her and I made it clear to her, everyone handles this differently, right? You find out that you're, that your partner is cheating and you're either you're mad at your partner, you're mad at the affair partner, you're mad at both, whatever it is. I focused my um, anger, disappointment, hurt everything on my husband. So when I talked, when I was able to talk to his affair partner, I explained to her like, look, I'm not mad at you. Your, your problems are your problems. Um, I just want information. And so when I was talking to her, I asked for several details so that he couldn't deny it. Mm. Um, and then I asked uh, kind of towards the end of the conversation, I said, Hey, do you happen to know if he's had any other affairs? And she said, yeah. Oh. And I asked for some details on that. And uh, yeah, so that's, that was the first one that I found out about. And also the second one that I found out about at the same time. Um, we did a lot of work. We went to counseling together. I, the counseling didn't work as well as I was hoping that it would. Um, but we had, you know, an affair recovery program that we went through and that was, that was good. It was fine. I thought we were working on things. I did convince myself to stay for the kids, which I don't recommend doing, by the way, that's a terrible idea. Mm 
<laughs> but I did it. I made a lot of bad choices. I hope that people can learn from my bad choices because what, I made a lot of bad choices. Mama, that's why I'm doing yeah. this podcast because of the bad choices that I made. I'm sorry. Go yep. ahead. Absolutely. Um, but then a few years later, I did find out that he was having another affair. <clears throat> and then I filed for divorce. And I, he finally moved out in um, December of, of 2019. So just a few months before COVID. And thank everything that he did move out before COVID. That would have been a nightmare. Oh, that would have been a nightmare. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, I skipped over a lot of details, but I'm happy to talk about anything in there that you well, want to. <laughs> I, what, in, the, in the beginning of what of, of that story, you talked about the trauma that comes with it. And mm -hmm. I, I just, for people who are either single or have never experienced infidelity, um, or for anybody, it, it, it's extremely traumatic, especially yeah. when the uh, the other the the uh, the monogamous partner is. And, you know, you mentioned you went to counseling. It takes mm -hmm. two. He would have to want to make it work. Yeah. Did he just go along? <laughs> if they just go along to placate you, it, it, it's not mm -hmm. going to work. It's like somebody, oh, it's like an alcoholic going to AA, but he doesn't want to get mm -hmm. sober. It's, he's not going to get sober, you know? Right. Um, you're going to go to therapy. If you're not really interested in getting help, whether it's for couple counseling or mental health issue, if you just, if you're in denial or you just don't, it's not going to work. Well, I'll tell um, you a quick story about therapy and couples therapy. So this was actually my first experience with a therapist. I, I had a therapist for myself. This was, this did prompt me to start going to therapy. She was terrible. She was awful. She, she sucked as a therapist. And I thought that's how all therapy was. It's not, by the way, if you have a bad therapist, you have a bad therapist. You need to find another one. Um, but we also went to couples therapy together to a different therapist and we went to, I think four or five sessions and we left the session and he, my ex said, I can't win in therapy. <laughs> so we're not going anymore. And I was like, it's not about winning. It's about trying to figure out what is, what is happening, where we, where we are, where we need to go, all this stuff. And he was like, yeah, but every time we go in there, the therapist is just like, not on my side. Right. That's, that's <laughs> and I, all... yeah, I wanted to be like, well, that's because you're wrong. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I didn't, <laughs> but you know, we didn't. And so we stopped going and it's like, you're right. If one person is not in it, if one person is not willing to do the work, if one person is not willing to, um, cop to anything that is their issue, then it's not worth, it's not worth the time and money that you're spending to go to therapy. Accountability. <laughs> He yeah, exactly. <clears throat> um, I think I read somewhere in your story that one of your husband's, uh, uh, the people that the woman he had an affair with, that mm -hmm. the husband, uh, her, her husband stalked you. Oh, yeah, that was so that was um, that was in like 2016. So it was the year is the year after I found out and he so the affair partner's husband started stalking my husband. I didn't know about it. And then I found out because he started texting me and he started texting me saying like, you need to get your husband to kill himself to which I was just like, you need therapy, go get yourself some help. Wow. <laughs> and because I wasn't, um, 
responsive, I guess, to his text, like he wanted me to be, he started stalking me and the kids as well. And he would start sending texts like, um, oh, you know, I saw you at that soccer game, or I saw you at the park, or, uh, you know, I saw you on the highway or whatever. And he would like name what color my shirt was or something. Mm -hmm. And so it was clear that he was, he was actually stalking me. And I made the first call that I made was to the non-emergency line to ask like, Hey, is there anything that can be done about this? And they told me we're sending out a, a sheriff's deputy and we will make a police report next time. Call 911 because that is a, it is a, it is a threat directly to you. And so I can't tell you how many times I called 911. I can't tell you how many police reports I filed. I can't tell you how many sheriff's deputies that I talked to, but it was largely kind of a, we can't do anything about it until something real happens, which sucks. Yeah. Like that is, that is some bullshit, yeah. you know? And so I got my concealed handgun license and started carrying everywhere. Cause I was truly afraid for my life, for my kids' lives, of course, for my husband's life, but not as much <laughs> if I'm, if I'm being honest. Um, and finally one of the sheriff's deputies said, look, here's what I want you to do. And this was after probably, I don't know, 30 or 40 different calls that I had to make to 911. He said, look, this is what I want you to do. You're not going to get the attention on this case unless you make yourself a huge bother. Calling us out is not a bother. Like calling 911, having us make a police report, that's not a bother. It's what we do. It's our jobs. He said, I want you to go to the sheriff's department downtown, downtown Fort Worth and sit there until they talk to you in person at the, at the sheriff's office at their department. And so I did, I went down there and, um, sat there and they, they talked to me, they got all the information. They took my phone for a day, got all of the texts and everything off of that, that they could, um, all of the records of phone calls that had gone ignored and everything. Um, they had my husband come in and turn his phone over, um, which he didn't like because then not only was I not available via my phone, but then he didn't have his phone also. Mm. So that was a, that was a big issue later, but, um, yeah. And so we did that. We got all of that taken care of at the sheriff's department. I hired a lawyer, had them send a cease and desist letter to him, to his wife, to his job. And then he was finally arrested, um, which wow. is unusual for that to happen in cases of harassment and stalking. That is highly unusual. Uh, and he did go to jail and I never heard from him from him again. So yeah, that was, and that was, it was terrifying. It really was. Oh, I, 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 I'm hesitant to even bring this up. I am being stalked and I don't mm. know if it's the ex or, uh, some, somebody else, but, uh, I I've had a stalker for quite some time and, mm. um, it's, it's, it's terrifying. And yeah. I, what, what you, you're in what state? I'm in Texas, Texas. Yeah. So uh, getting a, a conceal carry conceal license is probably a lot easier. I'm in New York and it's mm. not quite as easy. Um, well, it's real easy now in Texas. You don't even have to have one anymore, but back then you had to go through a certain amount of training and a class and prove that you knew what you were doing with the, with a, a weapon. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I could, uh, I'm, I do own firearms and they're legal. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, but I can't carry them on the street. Um, yeah. 
but but they're here in the house which is just a, a I guess for a peace of mind um yeah because yeah when you have a stalker and and you don't know um who's knocking on that door or who's creeping in your window mm -hmm. or whatever um I've I've often said to people I've given the key like years ago to my girlfriend or any or my even my sons I say some some of them have a key to my house I, I will say do not come in the house at two o'clock in the morning without announcing yourself because <laughs> you're going to find a shotgun in your face yeah um and so they know to call before they come over or text mm -hmm. me or and even if it's even this is when they were younger if they were drunk and they and they didn't want to drive home or whatever and they want i just said please call me do not open up that yeah. door at two in the morning because you're not going to like what you find on the mm -hmm. other side so <laughs> um gosh there's so many questions i want to talk I, I may have to have you back um i'd be happy to come back anytime yeah, yeah. i mean Listen, there's a lot to everything that I've been through, even just in my marriage, there's a lot. And then outside of that, there's a lot too. So <laughs> um, I, if you're comfortable about it, I know you have several children and <laughs> they, there's that in itself, you have a whole story, I believe. Um, yeah. Are you, are you comfortable with that? Yeah, sure. Yeah. So I have um, two kids who are mine that I, that I birthed. <laughs> okay. And then I have, my ex had two kids who were my stepsons for uh, the years that we were married and, and we, I still keep in contact with them. And now, now one of them even has a baby of his own. So, <laughs> oh, so you're a grandma. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, so congratulations. thanks. It's, um, it's, it's kind of tough to, um, keep in touch with kids who used to be your stepkids. Sometimes it's a little awkward, uh, but fortunately, you know, they're great kids and they're willing to keep that contact. So it's been really a blessing, but uh, my two kids and I are, you know, living on our own. So it's been, it's been challenging, especially with COVID. It was challenging to be a single parent. Um, at the time, my youngest was in kindergarten. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> and so that was, and I was working full-time still. So, um, and I work from home and at, at, you know, during COVID I worked from home as well. So it was like, I would be in a meeting and then I'd have to run out and say, are you still listening to your teacher on that zoom call? Or are you playing a game on the Disney website? Right. And 99% of the time he was on PBS kids playing a game or the Disney website playing a game. And it was just such a hassle, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I think my kids are pretty well adjusted. You know, my oldest is in therapy um, and it helps a lot for him to just have somewhere, someone else to talk to. Of course, he can talk to me about anything, but sometimes you just don't want to talk to your parent about something, you know? So, um, and then my nine-year-old, he's uh, not in therapy. He, I do have him go to a therapy session once or twice a year, just to kind of check in and make sure there's nothing they need, he needs to talk about. And, uh, I, I recommend that I treat it like it's a, an annual doctor's appointment kind of, or, you know, good. biannual dentist appointment. It's good to just check in once in a while with somebody who oh. is a professional. <laughs> yeah, I, I, and I said before that I've been in therapy all my life and, and it, it didn't work. It, that's not entirely true. I, I, and what you said about therapy or the therapist, if you don't like them or there's not a, a, mm. a mat, I, I, that's part of the problem is that if you go to see a therapist, it could take 
three to six to nine months to know whether mm -hmm. that therapist is actually a good fit for you, just like a relationship. Yeah. Um, because I, there's also that trust issue. How much do you, do you open up to this therapist? And right. So there, there are times when, when I would go see a therapist and six to nine or even a year later, I realize we're not going anywhere or we're not, she, he or she is not helping me the way that I think that I need to help. So then mm -hmm. you, you have to go look for another one. And then it's, uh, ironically, it's like a relationship. You, you get in, it's <laughs> like a whole year yeah. went by and you wasted a year with this person. And, and, and that's a, a some bitterness that I have with my ex relationship is that I wasted two and a half years with this woman who I really thought was my life future. Mm -hmm. And um, at my age, I'm 63. I, we start thinking about mortality at this, at this point, I know what age my parents died. I know, you know, and I, mm -hmm. and I have some, uh, I have some medical conditions myself. So we start to think about, and here's the, the syndrome, like, am I going to die alone? Am I ever, am, am I ever going to find somebody? Uh, because I've been doing the same mistakes, same patterns over and over again, making mm. the same mistakes, uh, or what's that expression, doing the same thing over and over, expecting different results. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I just, just went off on a tangent there. Um, mm -hmm. t t I have a question about something that we talked about earlier, but yeah. tell me a little bit about how you began the process of healing once you got out of the marriage mm. Th that must have been tough i i dealt with this infidelity and it was just traumatic like we talked mm -hmm. about what was your healing process journey what did it look like and yeah so my healing process is probably super highly specific to me <laughs> <laughs> okay um because I was healing from this at the same time as I was healing from the disappearance of my grandfather. And so my grandfather went missing in 2017 and I was still working on, you know, I was in therapy to try to deal with the emotions around that um, and the uncertainty around everything. And then in 2018, I found out that my ex-husband was having another affair and so it kind of was just like, it coincided with both because that had brought up a whole bunch. Like I said, we went through an affair recovery program. I had been in therapy already for that. And then I was in therapy again for uh, Papa's disappearance. And it's like, it just kind of all came together. And so because I, because I was already trying to heal and honestly, like I was trying to hide from a lot, right? So I was trying to make these different connections and everything. Um, as far outside of my own self as I could. And, um, I, I credit my, and this is going to sound not probably not the way that I want it to sound, but I credit my grandfather's disappearance with a lot of really good things that came out of it. And that's kind of the silver linings. Like you have to find a lot of good stuff, but at the same time, as I was trying to heal from that, I, improved my relationship with my sister a lot, the sister that's closest to me. I have two sisters, but, um, and we started talking every night and then she was like, Hey, install this program called discord. So we can talk without holding phones to our ears. And so I installed discord. We started talking every day. And then she was like, Hey, you want to play this game with me? And I, I grew up as a kid. I liked games as a young adult. I was a big gamer. 
when I started in my relationship, I was still gaming. And then I kind of stopped gaming because my ex looked down on it so, so much. He didn't like it. He didn't like that I had my own thing. He didn't like that I uh, enjoyed something that he didn't understand. He didn't like that I had a hobby that didn't include him. Um, And even though I offered like, hey, you could could always play with me. Like I could teach you this game and stuff. He never really... yeah, he wasn't interested in even trying and he would say, oh, you know, you're still playing games. You're you're aren't you an adult? Like, it's stupid to still play games. And looking back at that, like that was I shouldn't have listened, but I did. So I stopped gaming for a really long time. But whenever I reconnected with my sister, she's always been a big gamer. And she started having me play a couple of games with them. And I got back into it. And it was really something that gave me a connection. It gave me social interaction with people that I didn't know yet. Um, and it gave me that connection with her again and having a connection with someone who's going through something similar, not the infidelity, betrayal, trauma, anything like that, but the trauma of losing, um, losing a relative in such a, such an awful way, um, where you don't have answers. So, having someone going through something similar and just being able to connect with them and talk through everything. Um, it, we connected over gaming a lot and that was one of the big things that I definitely relied on for a lot of healing was just the ability to get out of my own head for a little while, get into a game for a little while, and then connect with my sister, connect with other gamers to just talk through some things that I was going through. And there were a lot of people who would join the call that we were on and we would be talking about something that we were struggling with. And they would be like, oh man, of course I haven't been through your situation, but I dealt with depression in in my own way when my mom died, or I, you know, I had a lot of trauma from this relationship that I was in, or they would just start relating their own stories, which was really cool. And just something that I wish Uh, I wish everyone had, I wish everyone had that opportunity to say, Hey, me too. Here's what I've been through and, and hear that other people go through shit too. It's not just you. It's not just me. It's everyone. Everyone is impacted by mental illness and, and mental health. Um, whether they have struggled through it themselves or they have a loved one who did. Uh, so a lot of my healing was around gaming. A lot of it was therapy. Uh, a lot of it was just social connection. That, and you just answered the second question. I was going to ask you about your gaming because we talked mm-hmm. about it earlier and you had told me that your handle Foxfire, right? Started yeah. from um, my one of my sons who uh, actually I did an interview on my podcast because the apple doesn't fall far from the tree and he happens <laughs> to have the same pattern of behavior with women mm-hmm. that I do. He, he's in his 30s. Uh, he met somebody on a... On, I guess Xbox or something. And one of those games they were playing mm-hmm. and he just, uh, I don't know how to explain this. He introduced me to this guy because he had the same story that I had about what happened to him, um, his ex-girlfriend. And so he, I connected with him and ultimately he became a, a guest on my podcast as well through a gaming. Oh, that's thing. cool. Gaming. Yeah. You're right. It, there's a lot of good networking that can, that happens mm-hmm. in gaming. Um, and I wanted to mention something and ask you another question. Um, you said that you tried to get your husband into gaming or he was mm-hmm. jealous of your gaming. 
I had that same experience. There was absolutely nothing in my relationship with my ex that she was interested in that I did. Um, yeah. uh, I, I can mention several of my hobbies, or whatever, but she wouldn't, wasn't interested. But if mm -hmm. something that she did, I, I had to be interested in it or she wanted me to get exactly. involved. Exactly. Yes. This is where the term narcissism, and, I, and I'm not calling her a narcissist, but the narcissistic spectrum comes in. It's all about what they want. It's all about mm -hmm. what, what, what makes them happy. And, 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 um, and it was interesting that it was only certain things that I was involved in this second life that she had, this other life that she had of, of in the sex world, of course, I didn't know anything about, but if there mm -hmm. were other things that she was involved with, she wanted me and she was an, into animal rescue and she wanted me to get involved mm -hmm. with that. And which is great. I have no problem with that, but she had no interest in anything that I did, any of my yeah. hobbies. Um, you have mentioned this a couple of times and, it, and I, I'm just curious, Mm -hmm. Your grandfather went missing. Mm -hmm. Do you know ever know what happened? I mean, what's the story behind that, if you're comfortable with that? Yeah, so uh, my grandfather went missing in 2017, and he was missing for um, six years, and they just discovered his remains earlier this year. Oh, they awesome. still don't know if it was uh, the predominant theories are suicide or murder, and they still don't have answers because the remains were obviously um, not not anything that you can yeah. identify a lot of soft tissue injuries um, or anything, but uh, they don't, they don't have answers. So it is still an open case. We actually had a funeral, a burial memorial service oh, yesterday uh, for him, which was great. Finally lay him to rest, give him a final resting place. You know, it's one of those things that I knew we'd, we'd had kind of vigils and that kind of service before, but I knew that we just needed a give the family closure. I feel like even though we don't have answers, I equate it to when someone gets cancer, you don't have answers either. You don't know why they got cancer. You don't know. You don't, you know, all of the universal, like why them, why this family, why now they had so much more to do to give everything. Um, it, it's the same with, with a terminal illness. You just don't get the answers that you're wanting. So to me, the closure well, is just He's finally laid to rest. He has a final resting place. We had a service. Everyone was able to honor his memory. And we may never know what happened. We may never actually get answers. Um, but yeah, so that that all just kind of happened this year, past few months. Um, Mama, I, I, I just find you to be an amazing woman. Um, the stories. Thank you. Um, just before we got on, I was, as I said, looking through your website and just uh, the about about me page or whatever that's called mm -hmm. was just amazing. As I scrolled through it, you have been through so much. It's an amazing feat that you're you're standing or sitting right now. But <laughs> I'm being metaphorical that you have survived all of this mm -hmm. and um, you're able to sustain a lifestyle that mm -hmm. and and you're you're a podcaster the the i find the gaming to be i i i don't think people look at gaming the way it, it's a to me and it's an enigma i just don't get it but but for you it's something that um and, and i and i saw the connection that my son did it and he connected and and, and mm -hmm. i connected with the person that he whatever 
it's just uh, everybody has to find something that helps them heal or helps them um, get out of their head. Yeah. For me, it was alcohol for and drugs mm. for for so long, and and uh, thank God I finally got I was able to put that down. But today, it's finding something else, and now it's this podcast has become mm -hmm. my getting out of my head. Um, talk it's like talking to people like you. Um, it, it's tremendous help. Um, Mama, what anything else you would like to tell us? Um, I, I I think we should have you back. Uh, you know, in six months or so, we'll uh, we'll talk again. But any parting thoughts? Any advice for anybody that let's say in the mental health community? Yeah, I I would love to join you again and talk about anything you want. I like I said, I'm an open book, so there is a lot of of stuff. <laughs> There's a lot yeah. of shit in my life and I'm happy to talk about any of it because I, I truly do think that sharing your story or some part of your story can just help someone else. Like if I had heard, and that's probably the takeaway that I would like to leave as well. If I had heard someone talk about um, emotional abuse a little more, if I had heard someone talk about mental abuse, if I'd heard someone talk about signs of bad relationship, um, it, it might've prevented a lot of things. Now, would I change anything? No, because I have a beautiful child, my youngest out of this relationship. Um, but would I have ended things a little earlier and spared myself some, some additional trauma probably, you know? So if you see that someone you love is in a relationship that is not healthy, if you are in a relationship that is not healthy and you recognize some red flags, uh, which there are a lot of, I mean, we didn't even really talk about no, some of the red flags that were, yeah. that were there, but there are so many uh, different things that you might not recognize as a red flag, do a little research, read a little bit about other people's stories, and then make a plan to get yourself out safely and then carry out that plan and ask for help. That's one of the things that I, um, that's one of the things that I wish I had done more was ask for help and connect with people. I was so isolated, uh, because that is part of the abuse was isolation, but was so isolated from everyone that I knew and loved. Yeah. Um, there was no way they could have helped me. I wish I had done more to maintain those relationships and I'm still working to rebuild them. But me if too. you're in a bad relationship, make a plan to get out safely and then do so when it is safe. Yeah, there is help and there is hope and there is, um, there is life after uh, what, what's for me, when something as traumatic as as the infidelity and the and the relationship mm -hmm. ending, and you think you're alone and you're and you're in this dark world and and you think there's nothing after that, there is because here it is. I'm yeah. I'm, I'm post seven months now, and I'm I'm in a much different place than I was seven months ago, and I see that you are too. I think you are. Yeah. 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 And she's folks. She's smiling, and I love that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Mama, thank you so much for coming on. We're going to put uh, all of your information in, in the show notes. I think you you hang out on Twitter and Twitcher mm -hmm. and Discord. Um, yep. I'm everywhere as Mama Foxfire. So. Mama Foxfire, you're yes. an amazing woman. Thank you so much. Thank for you so much for today. having me. Okay. Wow. What an amazing woman amazing story thank you so much everybody for listening to anonymous andrew's life and the choices we make 
If you could just take one minute, please, and leave me a review. Some stars would be nice. And I can continue to bring you this wonderful content. I'm learning so much. I hope you are too. And please, please choose wisely. Ciao.